All right, we're going to be doing a couple of things today. Uh, We're going to be uh, briefly looking at the last year of ministry, and then we're going to kind of set the course for 2023. Um, So if you got an annual report, you can go ahead and get your hands on that. Um, I didn't mean to do this, but I'm kind of working through it backwards. Um, I put the report together, and then I was working on my sermon, and as I was going back through my sermon, I thought, boy, I really didn't think this through. Um, So we'll start on kind of page five and work kind of backwards a little bit. Um, The biggest goal I had for 2022, um, and it really showed in the the teaching for the year, or yeah, 2022, was um, I wanted us to kind of reclaim certain elements of our faith that are supposed to be basic Things that are supposed to just be a part of Christian life. They're not supposed to be extraordinary or special. They're just supposed to be present in our life. Things that had, I feel, um, had gotten lost or distorted or underemphasized as time kind of has gone on. Um, That's why we spent several weeks at the beginning of the year uh, talking about how to read the Bible. Uh, There's a lot of spiritual things online anymore. You can get these cute sounding, nice sounding, encouraging things that, again, they sound good, but they're not very true. Uh, They're not very uh, based in scriptural or based in scripture. And so you can find that stuff. And I think it's important nowadays that since we have anybody's perspective in the world just kind of streaming at our eyeballs, and if you show any spiritual interest online, all Facebook and Instagram and TikTok know that, oh, here's a spiritual thing. You like spiritual things might not be biblical, but they're going to feed it your way. Well, since that's the case, I think we kind of need to have a better kind of basic understanding of how to understand Scripture and be able to discern what's truth and what is not. Um, We also work to regain a proper understanding of eternity. Uh, One of the most common misconceptions for a lot of Christians is we think that when we die, we're going to spend eternity in a spiritual land called heaven. Um, And people have kind of two versions of heaven that they picture when it's this idea of heaven. Uh, One is you go to some spiritual place where you just get to do whatever you love forever. So if you love fishing, you are in a boat and you get a fish all day, every day, forever. Um, Or the other picture is you're in a long robe and you're in an eternal church service singing hymns to God. Those are kind of the two pictures. Um, But when you look at Scripture, we don't get this idea that we are going to spend eternity in some spiritual uh, land floating around in robes with angel wings. The picture is that this is the world that God made. This is the world he wanted us to live in and exist in as physical creatures, but um, sin kind of messed things up. And one of the reasons Jesus came was to reclaim his planet. And so the end of of the story of Scripture talks about a new heaven and a new earth, uh, a new place for us to live, a restored earth, a redeemed earth. And so we spent several weeks talking about that. Um, The series was Heaven on Earth. Uh, We spent some time looking at the importance of serving, Being a servant should be like one of the main aspects of following Jesus. One of the last things he did for his closest disciples was he sat down and he washed their stinky, smelly, dirty feet. And he said, this is what it means to follow me. So go and do this for everybody. And as you make disciples, they're going to teach them to serve this way. Um, Now, that doesn't mean necessarily that we should spend every Sunday scrubbing between each other's smelly toes. It basically means that we are supposed to not think that there's any job too big, any, any act of service too big for or too small for us to, to get our hands dirty with. And so we talked about serving. Um, one of the big ones we talked about just not too long ago was the uh, 
the ideal of Christian unity. Oh man, that is like, nobody talks about it anymore. Online has become such a nasty place. I, I kind of tend to gravitate more towards, uh, I got a lot of church leader stuff in my Twitter feed and on Instagram and stuff, and it's just people ripping on other churches for this, that, and the other. And yet in Scripture, one of the most highly um, elevated aspects of being a Christian was that we would have this supernatural ability to love one another, to forgive one another, and to stick together. And so we need to, we need to reclaim some of these things that are, again, basics. They're just kind of, it's like it, it goes with the territory of being a Christian, but that we don't emphasize anymore. Um, so those are some things that we tried to neglect. Again, um, after some years, a few disruptive years that really kind of threw us off our game. It, didn't, it kind of totally changed how we live our lives. And so, yes, for a while we couldn't be as social. We couldn't be as maybe evangelistic and whatnot as different parts of, as our, as our faith kind of calls us to be. But as we're kind of getting back into the rhythm of things and starting to live normal, I use that term loosely because I feel like every day is weird. But as we get back into whatever this is going to be going forward, we kind of we got to bring back the basics of our faith and not neglect those. Now, if you look um, through the other pages, like uh, if you go to pages uh, two, three, and four, um, you'll see some numbers that really look pretty positive. We had better attendance in 2022 than 2021. More money was given to our church in 2022 than the previous year. More money was given from our church to other organizations than in uh, the year previously. Um, we've really... Um, had things at youth group that are going pretty well. We don't have a ton of kids in that age bracket at the moment, but we've got like a bunch like getting ready to roll on into uh, junior high. And, um, you know, when, when Abby and I came here, we, we did all the youth stuff for a long time. And then when, when we had little kids, we kind of backed off a little bit. Uh, we just found that we were just too tired for, for a season, you know, to, um, with changing diapers and getting up in the middle of every night. Like, we just needed a break. And, and so we've really enjoyed being back working with students and stuff. Um, so that's been a joy. Working with Berlin has been a, a great help. You know, they've carried some. Michael's done a lot of the teaching load. Um, and I'm going to be able to help him with the teaching load because Michael over at Berlin, him and his wife are getting ready to have a baby. So I'll let him be tired. And I'll do a few little bit of that teaching because I have very great compassion for that season of life. For whatever reason, I, I'm going to blame it on him. I've been having dreams like the last week or so that Abby and I had another kid. And I, dear Lord, I hope that's not one of them biblical visions that comes true. I don't, I'm not, I'm too old for that stuff, I feel like, anymore. Um, we still are having conversations about, you know, what to do, maybe hiring somebody to do youth ministry. Um, in the years past, it's been tough. Lincoln has been um, going through some big changes. Um, they've kind of downsized and kind of refocused more on just raising up ministers for churches. Um, they've done a lot of other stuff for a long time, and so they've kind of, like, refocused. And, um, and that's, I think, a good thing. But... Um, if you look at like the, how much money we took in versus how much money we spent, we ended up with about a $15,000 surplus, again, which is really good. A lot of churches are hurting and cutting things out and stuff, and so we're not having that problem. But if you want looking at hiring like a full-time person like we had with Ben, that's just probably not the wise move at the moment. Uh, $15,000, is n unless you've got somebody who um, is born into a very rich family and is looking to work for not as much money as uh, the work deserves, uh, yeah, we're probably going to be looking at maybe a part-time person or um, holding off until um, we can afford that. I don't know. We're just still in, the, uh, just kind of talking about it periodically as visiting it every few months, seeing how things are going. 
Um, there are a couple things, though, that have looked worse than historically they have. Um, one thing is that evangelistically speaking, we've really taken a dive. We had um, very few first-time guests in the last year. Um, we've had a few, yes, and, and it's been great to see new faces, but um, for whatever reason, like, we had probably less than we've had in any year since I've been here. Uh, we, we need to do some more stuff reaching into the community. We need to do some more stuff, I think, as individuals. Again, that's one of those things we need to reclaim about our faith that is basic. We need to we realize we exist to be a light to the world, to share our faith with those people that we come in contact with, that no one's going to have a greater impact on the people in your life than you. And so we need to invite them to church. We need to tell them our stories. Why do we believe what we believe? We need to be willing to have faith conversations in, in a, a world where I really think those conversations have kind of, for good or bad, bubbled more to the surface than they have in recent years. And so I think that's one of those things that we have to reclaim. Um, another area that we have kind of struggled is getting people back into uh, growth groups as we came back out of 2021. Again, everybody's just kind of like, I like watching online. I like, you know, with my schedule where everything was pared back, we've been hesitant to add some things back in, which is wise. But I do think that it is important that we have more than this with our church family to grow our faith. Um, it's I, One thing I hear from a lot of people is that there's so many people here I don't know. Well, yeah, this is not a great environment for getting to know people. Because right now, one person is talking. And you're not looking at anybody but the one person or who, the few that stand up on stage if we want to know people, we've got to get into a, some sort of a different environment where we can have conversations, get to know names, know what's going on in each other's lives. And when we do groups, a smaller environment where we can talk about God's word, ask the questions that we have, even express doubts in a safe place because everybody has them and other people might relate to what's going on in your life. I just think that's a beneficial thing for our faith and for becoming the kind of people who Jesus wants us to be. So, We've had some good, there's some things to be encouraged about, there's some things that we need to focus on and, and work on as we move into a new year. Um, just one kind of extra bit of business just to kind of mention, um, we have talked, we've been talking about maybe making some updates to our bylaws, which is one of the least exciting conversations you can ever have in any environment. Uh, bylaws are basically the essential thing you have to have to be considered an organization. And we've talked about making a few changes, um, nothing like crazy or, or wild, um, but there, like one would be, for instance, um, this meeting, our bylaws say it has to happen on the second Sunday of January. Well, the numbers that we put together, you can't start doing the math on those until January 1st. You've got to wait for the year to be done. And this year particularly, we had one week before... The, from the end of the year to this meeting, that's not a lot of time for someone who didn't take any math in college to have to do all this math, okay? And so we, we thought we, the conversation is, what if we just change that to be the congregational meeting has to take place in January, and then we can figure out the Sunday that works best as we get all the information ready. So it's kind of things like that, just to make some updates as we found um, it's a little hard sometimes to squeeze this stuff all together. Now, um, if you have any questions about um, what's going on in our church, anything we've talked about, and, or anything that's in the report, anything I missed that you think I need to talk about, or anything like that. Um, the elders and myself will be available after the service uh, to answer any questions that you might have. Um, so that's the what happened last year. Let's talk about now what we're going to do in 2023. 
Uh, this year in 2023, what I want to do, uh, or I want to focus on, is I want us to focus on doing things that will ensure that we as Christians are being properly formed to be like Jesus. Um, it has become way too common for Christians, and this isn't a new thing, this is a long time thing. It has been way too common for Christians to attend church for years, to, be, to proclaim faith in Jesus for years, and really have a very little transformation in their life. Just not a lot of, you look different from, or look the same from year to year to year, not experiencing that radical transformation that we see in Scripture. Uh, one of the most unfortunate uh, stereotypes about Christians is that the worst group of people to come to restaurants is the Sunday morning crowd. All the people that come after church, we are known for being demanding, rude, and cheap bad tippers. That, I mean, I don't see any of that stuff as, this, as this, a spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament. Like, the, if there's any group that should be over-the-top nice and generous and kind and loving, it should be the Christian group. It should be that Sunday lunch crowd, right? But, but there's something that has, again, been off. And so there's, it's been, I think, an, a hint that something has been off track in American Christianity for a while. That If you can come and do all the stuff that Christians do and not be changed hardly at all, that means we're not doing things as we should. And so that should bother us. It should bother us that in a lot of ways, we aren't changing. And one of the reasons is it's very easy not to. Because if you just live your life doing normal things, there's no friction with our culture. You start being um, the kind of person Jesus wants us to be, there's going to be friction. You're going to start being weird. You're going to start leaning into behaviors that people are going to say, why are you doing this? Why wouldn't you just like tell that person off? Why, did you, why were you so nice to them? They were so rude to you. There's going to be weirdness that comes along with growing to be like Jesus. And so we should find ourselves, though, as we read the pages of Scripture and we see the life of Jesus and we see the passion of Paul and the other writers of the New Testament, we should be inspired to want to be different. We should be inspired to live that kind of loving, generous life. Now, one thing that we often miss when we talk about spiritual growth is the reality that even if you aren't experiencing proper spiritual formation, is that you are still being formed by something. Whether you like it or not, you are being formed. You and I are like Play-Doh. We are like clay, soft, squishy stuff. And everything that comes to us in life, it leaves an indention. It leaves its mark on us. Everything does, okay? Every single relationship, every show that you watch, every article that you read, every interaction you have with people, good or bad, shapes you in some way. It leaves its mark on you. It will shape you into something, shape you into someone. Now, what the average person rarely asks is, am I being shaped into the right kind of person? Am I being shaped by my life into being the kind of person that, one, I want to be, but two, that Jesus wants me to be? And so we rarely stop to ask about that. Most people never consider, am I being properly formed as a human or malformed as a human? Now, when God created humanity, 
He created us in his image so that we would be able to stand beside him and work with him as we shared um, in the work of leading and caring for creation. Uh, We were intended to be God's kind of representatives in the world, representatives of his love as we wisely and lovingly lived at peace with everyone and everything. That's kind of the grand picture we start to see painted for us in Genesis 1 and 2. And then sin comes into the picture and it starts to deform us. We start out as this beautiful thing, and sin comes in and just starts like putting its hands on this beautiful sculpture that God has made. And, and sin, starting with the story of Adam and Eve, uh, has kind of led humanity down this pattern of being deformed, being less than, less beautiful than the picture that God wanted us to be. Because instead of trusting God and obeying God and honoring God with our lives, uh, we've kind of chosen to honor ourselves live for ourselves, try to be our own God. I mean, you can see this in, in our culture. Nobody says this stuff. Nobody says, I'm God, unless you're like really big on yourself. Very few people actually say that. But for the most part, we live as if I'm my own God. I do my own stuff. Don't you judge me for it. I make my own decisions. Don't tell me I'm wrong or you're, you're wrong. Like We kind of live to be our own God rather than submitting ourselves to live in the image that God made us to live in. And so sin and everything that entertains it leaves its mark in a bad way on you and me. Um, Now, to get an idea of what this is like, um, I found a picture. I I knew what I was looking for when I uh, had this idea. It's an old picture. It's been floating around the Internet for a long time. You've probably seen it. Um, But it's a really cool sculpture that a guy made of Thor. Really cool, very detailed. I mean, there's, you see the, each individual hair on his beard. I mean, he's taken a lot of time, right? Now, the guy who ever spent hours making this bust of Thor, he then, before he could let the clay dry, before he could glaze it, before he could fire it in the kiln, he accidentally dropped it and ended up with this. Okay? So imagine the creator making this beautiful thing and then... This just accidental thing happens, and it ruins all that good work. And what's really painful is that when you look at the smushed version, right, you can still, like, see kind of in there what he intended. Like, you see the eyes, you see the nose, you see the mouth. It just looks like somebody's walking into a window at at the bank, you know, the the, the wrong part of the sliding door or something. Um, And while the results are hilarious... You can clearly see that's not what the creator of this sculpture intended. And the story is strikingly similar for humanity. Like we were made in God's image, but throughout our lives of sin and selfishness and chasing things that are unwise, we have been deformed. We have been smushed in ways, shaped in ways that were not God's intent. And one of the beautiful aspects of the gospel is that Jesus didn't come to save us. We talk about that a lot, and that is of the utmost importance, but the gospel is bigger than that. He came to break sin's hold on us, so that we would finally, by the strength of the Holy Spirit, be able to start being reformed into the likeness of Jesus, to be remade as, a, as, the, as the human that God wanted us to be. In uh, Romans chapter 5, I promise I'll get this off the screen in just a minute. You're not hearing anything, probably. Um, but in Romans chapter 5, we get kind of a comparison between Adam and Jesus. Um, and, and Paul shows us that for Countless centuries, humans have been living in the legacy of Adam, a human that made the wrong choices, that that chose sin over God, that chose selfishness over God, humanity that has been deformed and been living lives far less than what God intended for us. And that 
Jesus came to set us a new example, a new legacy, to be a new Adam for us to follow. Romans 5.17 says, For if, because of one man's trespass, the sins of Adam, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Jesus. In Romans 5, there's a lot more happening. If you want to go back and read it, it makes this Adam-Jesus comparison a little clearer. Um, and, but it's this idea that, yes, Adam's been the one we, that everybody has followed, every human has followed, and with Jesus, we have a new model, a new example, and someone who showed us what humanity can be. The great irony is, is though, as Jesus came to give us the best example we've ever gotten of God, he showed us the love and grace and kindness of God, he also gave us the greatest example of what we could be, and the love and the grace and mercy that God intended us to show. But Jesus does more than just give us a good example. He also sends his Holy Spirit to live inside of us to give us strength and power to follow that good example. The Spirit gives us strength to actually stop following the broken human desires that live inside of us and to actually start living like Jesus. In Titus chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writes this in verses 4 through 7. He says, But when the loving, the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Again, not in question, not saying that it's not what Jesus did, but it's a bigger thing. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, meaning like every other world, unlike every other world religion, Christianity isn't about saving yourself or getting some religious to-do list checked all off so that we can be good enough for God. No, Jesus saves us freely while we're still a mess. He says, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So this Holy Spirit regenerates our dead selves and renews us with a purpose and this ability to be the kind of humans that God wants us to be, that he made us to be. So follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Um, but like anything else, God, he doesn't force us. He doesn't make us give our lives to him. And he's not going to take somebody who's professed faith in him, and he's not going to make you against your will live like Jesus. That has to be a choice that we make. Um, one of the most beautiful verses, I think, comes in Philippians chapter 2. It often gets misunderstood, but it, it shouldn't be that crazy. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. This is the Apostle Paul saying, You guys followed, you guys live like Christians and kind of tried to do the right thing when I was there. Now that mom and dad are out of the room, you still need to try to do the right thing. Like, you ever had a kid that was like, I love when little kids do this, um, but they know they're doing something wrong, and you told them, and then they're like, okay, don't look at me. And it's like, you, you, like, don't look at me. Like, they're getting, and they're making, getting into mud, getting into the cords they're not supposed to play with or something, but it's like, they know, okay? He's saying, you guys obeyed when I was there, now continue to be good Christ followers now that I'm not there. And then he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Um, so he's not saying that we have to work to earn salvation. He's saying that 
when Jesus died on the cross, he took our status as a guilty sinner away from us, and he paid the price for that, and then he gave us his status as sinless righteous. He lived a whole life of perfection. He, get, he kind of trades statuses with us. He trades name tags, if you will, with us, so that from now on, when we give our life to Jesus, God sees us as righteous, even though we're not particularly always living in the most righteous way. But if you're a believer, God right now looks down on you and sees, as if, sees you as if you have never sinned in your life. Now, when he tells us to work out your salvation, he's saying, okay, live up to that label I've given you. You're called righteous. Now start living to be righteous. Um, this might help a little bit to explain it. If you've ever heard those stories throughout history of like when a king who died young and he had a baby son who was the only heir and the, the baby becomes king technically, right? And so you have like this infant who's messing his diapers and is like king whatever, like not very kingly. He's got the title of king, but he doesn't live very kingly yet. And so that kid ends up spending the rest of his life trying to live up to being a king. He tries to become a king as time goes on. That's kind of how we are. We live and stand before God as righteous. And now he says, okay, come on, now try to be righteous. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to become righteous, to have the strength to actually do what is right and follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And so, that's why Christians are supposed to experience transformation. Because when we become more like Jesus, we become more joyful, we become more generous, we become a better uh, servant to the people around us, we become better wives and husbands and children and co-workers and friends. We have a positive difference in the world. We're better able to handle the stresses and complications and problems that come through life. Life is generally a, a, I won't say easier thing to navigate, but we have more skill at navigating it. And so why then, over the years, have we realized that maybe we haven't experienced that kind of transformation? Why, have we, why do we look back down the chapters of our lives and say, well, I'm kind of the same person I was then. Why aren't we growing in maturity? Why aren't we learning to love and live like Jesus? Why do we still struggle with the same sins of our past? Why do we still lose control of our anger? Uh, why does life still feel at times so hopeless and depressed? Why does it have that control over us to make us feel that way? Why are we still so selfish at times and unkind? Why are Christians often so ununited when the Bible says that we should be the opposite? Why do we lack wisdom when God freely says it's offered to says it's freely offered to us in scripture? I think the answer is just because we spend too little time and energy on being properly formed. It's so much easier to be deformed by culture. It's so much easier to plop down and binge watch shows that have nothing to do with godliness. It's so much easier to go through life and do things that are fun and things that kind of naturally apply to what you enjoy in life. It's so much easier to do those things at times than it is to sit down and spend time and energy and intentionality on being properly formed. And so since we're intentional about being properly formed, we're still being formed, remember. So every culture cultural thing, every news bit, every ad on the, every commercial, every article, every day at work, those things are forming us in the wrong ways, making us less and less like Jesus each and every day. So this year, my challenge to you and even to myself is to lean into spiritual formation, to lean into um, doing the things that help us to be shaped like Jesus and maybe giving a little less time to the things that malform us and deform us away from the image of Jesus. 
Um, now, to help us get a clearer picture of, okay, how do we do that? What does that look like? Um, I want to show you something that's been in the works for a, a good long while. Um, it's something, I just call it the, the Loemi CC Discipleship Pathway. Um, a disciple, we're supposed to be disciples. Disciples are simply a person who follows somebody else. We're followers of Jesus. We follow Jesus. Um, we're disciples. Um, and so what this does is it takes the three aspects of our church's mission, that we exist to connect people to Jesus, grow them in Jesus, and impact the world for Jesus. And it shows us how this should play out in our life, how this mission should show up in our daily and weekly lives. Um, now I'm going to break down and show you and zoom in, because I know you can't read that, I can't read that. Um, we'll zoom in in a second on each one of those, but a couple things before. Um, first, notice it's a circle which means there's no finish line. And that's hard for some of us. Like, some of us, it's hard to get on board with doing things to which there is no, like, I've made it moment. Like, if you're trying to lose weight, there's a number on the scale that you have in your brain. That's your I made it moment. If you're trying to, you know, get in shape some other way, you got a number of miles or how much you can lift or whatever it is, you got that made it moment kind of out there in your brain. But with being a follower of Jesus, this is a lifelong thing. We are always supposed to realize I'm wet clay, and I'm being formed every day, and I need to be formed by the right things every day. We don't get dry. We're always at running a risk of being dropped on the floor and having the smushed face thing going on. We've got to realize that about ourselves. So there's no finish line. And the second thing about it being round is that we just kind of live in all three of these areas. We need to be in all three of these areas to be well-balanced in how we are formed. So here we go. Let's go a little closer into them. Connect. We need to connect our life to Jesus and his church. As believers, we need to maintain our connection both to Jesus and his church. You cannot have a proper connection to Jesus without his church, and you cannot have a proper connection to the people in your church without Jesus. Um, that, I would almost call that a decapitated faith. Because Jesus is the head of the church. The church is the body. We, we don't want one without the other. We want what Jesus wants us to have, the fullness of Christ. And so we need both. Now, ways we can maintain that connection is by spending time together, by weekly coming together to worship our great God so that we are having this moment where we can come and see we are in this together. Um, we also need strong, straight, like true biblical tr teaching. Um, and you can get that hopefully here, but it doesn't have to be limited to here. Again, the internet gives us a ton of great resources for that. And then also, when you first become a believer, the way that we kind of connect ourselves to Jesus and his church is through baptism. That is a necessary part of giving your life to Jesus. So when we want to grow, we need to maintain the connection with Christ and our church. Or we want to be connected to Christ and our church. Secondly, we're going to go to the grow. Um, we need to grow that relationship with Christ and his church. Um, we uh, do that through, like I mentioned earlier, we need more people spending time in smaller settings than this. I'm not saying this is bad. I'm not saying it's not good or necessary. It's just not enough. We need to know each other. We need to be known by other people, and we need to have an avenue where we can actually open our mouths and discuss this stuff. It's just the way it works. Whether it was a Sunday school class or a small group or something that's kind of a little bit of both, churches have tried it all, but whatever they found is, or what they've always found is that smaller setting was necessary for us. It was so beneficial to our growth as 
Christians. Um, secondly, the other thing uh, that I put on there was growth tracks. Uh, we started this last fall. This is a, a kind of a short-term group, not something that meets all the time, but where we, we meet for a few weeks and we focus on a topic and we kind of drill on a topic. So in the fall, we talked about how to share our faith. What does it look like to be somebody who, who is okay and willing to and comfortable with telling other people about Jesus? That's an important way to grow in our faith. Um, and then through spiritual practices, this is the last thing I put on the list. Spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines, you might have heard them call, called. These are things that we incorporate into our lives that their only goal is to shape us and form us into being like Jesus. And um, that's actually what this sermon series is going to be about going forward. This series formed for the next several weeks. We're going to talk about different spiritual disciplines. Each week will be a different discipline, a different way to be formed that we can bring into our lives to help us be more like Jesus. Certain rhythms, practices, behaviors that will shape us on a daily basis. And then the last part of the circle is impact. As believers, we weren't meant to be living for ourselves. Again, Jesus' whole point was that we would be outward-focused individuals, servant-minded people. And so we were designed to make an impact in our world for Jesus. I don't necessarily mean a global impact. It could be your little corner of the world where you're making an impact. It could be the world of your family. It could be the world of your workplace. But we're called to make some kind of an impact. Whether um, uh, the, the ways I've marked on here were through serving in our church family. Um, there's a lot of ways to serve our church family. Through giving generously. That helps fund ministry here and on our, uh, all the missions that we support. Uh, serving in the community and sharing your faith. All of these things are good for you and good for me. And now, this is a lot of stuff, and I don't show this to you in order to be scary, in order to be overwhelming, but this is kind of designed to be something that we can glance at and say, am I, am I really giving my life to be informed? Am I doing some of these things? I, I'm not saying you have to do every single one of them, but, but am I doing some of these things? And you can look at the different sections and go, oh, I'm not doing anything over here. I need to kind of maybe add some balance and, and invest a little bit in all of these so that I'm being properly formed, evenly formed, holistically formed, rather than just in one aspect. There are some Christians who live in the green. They'll come to church. They can quote the Bible. They can tell you all about the Bible. Um, some people say that they, they become scripturally obese because all they do is sit, eat, and eat, and eat, and eat, and eat the biblical teaching and never put it into practice. They take it in, but there's no exercising of the wisdom of God. Okay, that's, that's being formed in an improper, unbalanced way. We need to be fully formed into the likeness of Jesus. And so the hope is that this is a, kind of a tool that we can kind of look at and say, okay, I need to be living my life in these areas, quickly seeing if there's something we've neglected or places we need to be more consistent. Because it is not right for Christians to be here for years and never change. It's not okay for us to never experience transformation, to never be challenged to do more and live more like Jesus. And again, I think it's evidence that this has been the case. And I'm not just saying here. I think that's just been kind of the name of the game for a lot of the American church. It shows that we are letting ourselves be formed and shaped by the wrong things, that we've invested our time and our energy into the wrong things, and it's time we reclaim that for the good and the glory of Jesus. Now, I love how Paul highlights this and the language he puts it into um, in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk 
as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. By Gentiles, he means people who aren't Christians at this point. He says they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That should not describe the life of Christians. We shouldn't be surprised to look in the world and see people that do those things, but that should not describe the life of people in the church. And he says, but that is not the way you learned Christ. He's like, that's not what I taught you guys to be. He's like, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. Now, what Paul taught was to put off your old self, that old way of living. You put it off. It's like taking off wet clothes if you fell into a pool. Take that off. Get that out of there. He's like, which belongs to your former manner of life, that old life that is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And he goes on to, after that to talk about all the kinds of things we got to put off and all the kinds of things we got to put on good or bad. He kind of goes through both of them. But I love that picture of that old way of life. Get rid of it. It's like, um, if you've ever seen, uh, not ever seen, but when you went to school, what is the one thing that you remember them telling you to do during a fire if you get caught on fire? Stop, drop, and roll. I don't even know if it works. I've never seen anybody do it, but I've heard it my whole life. They told, stop, you got that, if your coat's on fire, your shirt's on fire, your pants on fire, it doesn't matter where you are, you get them pants off. It doesn't matter if you're going to be embarrassed for the rest of your life in your third grader, you get those pants off if they're on fire, right? That's just what it tells, like we should have that same view with our old life. It is weighing us down, it is deforming us, get it off and put on something new, something better. And so my hope For myself and for each one of you who calls yourself a follower of Jesus is that you would choose to be formed in the right way this year by the right things. And I really hope that you're eager to join me on this journey. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the hope that we have in Jesus, that not only are we freed and saved from the mistakes we've made in this life, but that you actually want us to take what's left of this life and reclaim it. You want us to live for your good sake, for your um, good uh, purposes in this world so that we might um, show the world and those who don't believe how good you are and show them how amazing the love and grace and mercy that you bring into this world truly is. And so I pray, Father, that you would help us um, make a commitment, be be, um, intentional as the year comes at us to be formed, to, to be determined that when this year is over, that we, when we are looking back on 2023 and we don't look back and say, oh, I haven't changed a bit, but we say, no, God has been doing something. He has been moving in my life, moving in my heart this year so that we can um, be formed the right way because whether we like it or not, we're being formed by things. And I just pray, Father, that we would make a commitment to start being formed intentionally by you and your spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Thank you.